Hi, I'm Daryl Urbanski, and welcome to the Best Business Podcast. My mission is to help create 200 new multimillionaire business owners. How? You'll do better when you know better. In my interviews, you'll hear from self-made millionaires, seven-figure business owners, authors, and world-class experts sharing how they did it so you can too without experiencing the same obstacles they did. Now, if you like this interview, please share it with a friend you think will benefit. They'll appreciate it, and I will as well. You can also connect with me on social media. Look for Daryl Urbanski, D-A-R-Y-L, Urban Ski, U-R-B-A-N-S-K-I, and add me so we can be friends. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy what I've prepared for you right here, right now. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. My name is Daryl Urbanski, your host as always, and today we are joined by a very special guest, John Naster. John is the author of Hack the Entrepreneur, How to Stop Procrastinating, Build a Business, and Do Work That Matters. He's also the host of his own podcast, Hack the Entrepreneur, on Copyblogger's Rainmaker.fm network. He's also, on top of that, he's the co-founder of Velocity Page. And what I love about his story is John didn't start out online. He opened a few of his own offline businesses after finding his entrepreneurial edge at a young age. Then, in 2011, he made the jump online and has since interviewed over 207 entrepreneurs on his podcast. John has compiled all of the shared traits and strategies that he's learned from so many successful entrepreneurs into a book released in early December last year. I've asked him to join us today to share some of the knowledge he's collected about growing a business and being successful. John, I really appreciate your time. Thank you for taking the time away from your family, your clients, and your own projects today to help share with my audience and I. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing awesome. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> yes. Well, again, it's a pleasure to have you here. And now, like we talked a bit about that you have all these different ventures going on in the book and you know, you had offline businesses and now you have online businesses, but how did you even get started as an entrepreneur? Do you come from a line of like a family law, a long line of entrepreneurs in your family or, you know, did you go to school for it? How did you get started? I learned in the school of hard knocks. <laughs> I don't even know what that means, but um, my family is fairly entrepreneurial, yes. Hmm. So I do come from that, but sort of going forward through life, it didn't really make sense. I didn't know what the hell I was doing, but looking back, it does make sense. So I grew up and in like mid high school, I started playing drums in like punk rock bands. So we jumped in a van a lot and traveled the country and played shows and with punk rock comes the whole DIY ethic of do it yourself. If you want something done, don't wait for somebody to tell you you can do it. You just do it yourself. Right. So we put on shows in other cities. We printed our own t-shirts. We found images of stickers we liked and printed them off at Kinko's and, and sold them for profits to buy gas and to buy food. <laughs> and yeah, and traveled. And so there was all these things that I did that have really stuck with me. And I kind of just really kept that mentality that when something bothers me online or something in my life is just like kind of a hard sticking point, I don't just think, oh, I wish somebody would build something to fix that. I just typically build something to fix, fix that it. and then sell it to other people. And it's I really gatekeepers are the worst. And luckily, the Internet now, the Internet at the time didn't hardly exist at mm. that time. But I mean, now it does. And it's it allows you to really just do it yourself and to really just kind of, as James Altucher would say, just choose yourself and mm. make these things happen. So 
that it makes sense now when I look back that that's where it kind of came from. But I did work jobs sort of in mm -hmm. my 20s mm -hmm. between playing drums. And then I started some businesses. And then when I sold my last business offline, I, my daughter was recently born. And I was just gone too much out of the house. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to change that. So it took me several years to figure it out online. But I did that. And now I'll never go back. That's awesome. So you say it took several years to figure it out. What were some of the biggest differences, I guess, from an offline business to an online business? It was really mindset, I think, that was the biggest thing. And I could have got started a lot sooner, but I think like so many people, I procrastinated and mm. I just, I, I thought I had to I just need to learn one more thing. I need to buy one more course. I need to read one more blog. I need to read one more book. I need to watch one more video and then I'll know. And it just, it gets overwhelming. Then all of a sudden you know so much stuff and then it's like, now where do I start? Because I know so many different things I could possibly do. And it literally took just like, nope, screw all this stuff. I'm not consuming anything else. I'm just going to produce something. And then starting and doing that and like, producing different products and things that didn't always work but they kind of it did and you you know you make that first sale online it's like well I'll never meet mm. that person but they literally transferred money from their bank account to mine yeah. and that's amazing right. so I just need to now figure out how to do that a thousand times a day and <laughs> we're golden so it kind of just really evolved from there but it was literally just deciding to I think the whole mindset of changing from like a consumer of things online to being a producer of things. Mm, so really it was just the mindset that kept you out of – that was the biggest kind of barrier for you to, to bridge the gap between, oh, I'm offline and I'm meeting people face-to-face -face and offering them stuff versus I'm online and I'm chatting with people and I'm creating pages to do the same thing that I do offline. Yeah, yeah. And that was a big one because – I, I feel really confident that I can get somebody on a phone or I can meet somebody face to face and I can like sell them on an idea or on buying something even. I feel confident in sort of like the way I can sort of make that happen. Right. But when I went to online and writing copy, I guess, which I didn't know it was called at the time, <laughs> but I, I, I didn't make the connection that the things I was writing or the, the video I was creating, the, putting it onto a web page, that it was literally just a person sitting on the other side of my laptop that right. was going to read it as literally like I was talking to them. Right. And once I made that transformation that I'm not speaking to 10,000 people right now or 1,000 people. I mean, the beauty of the internet is you can scale from one to 10,000, mm -hmm. but it's still an individual person each time. Mm -hmm. And you have to make that pitch to that one person. And when you can have that person in your head, that literally every time I sit down to write an email, I can picture him sitting on the other side of the desk and I just know I have to, what I have to say to him to take him sort of through the transformation I want and then to take the action that I want. Yeah. That was a really big mindset shift for me and it's all completely changed since I've made that sort of transformation and I see it. It's literally just humans connecting through the internet. That's it. But we're still one-to-one -one connections that we have to make. Yeah, yeah, I love it. One of my mentors, he called, used to call that the power of one where he would do it essentially like you imagine if you only had one prospect, which is what you just said. Once you realize you only right, you're writing a letter to one person, there might be 10,000 other people having the same issue that's going through the same things that can relate. But really, when you write it, you want to have your, your avatar, your customer, your target market, your ideal client in your head and write it to him. And then him, he takes it a step further. He's like, what if you only had one client in your business? How would that change? 
how you've designed your business. And that's a really powerful thing that some of the listeners may want to think about. If you've got someone and you could only have one client and you had to make the living that you're trying to make now with just one client, how would you treat them? And then you kind of plan that out. Like, oh, I would probably have to do this, this, this. And you make it like a big long map of like, well, first, you know, <clears throat> they might come in and I would I would get them warmed up with this little product and then I might sell them this bigger product. And then, geez, if I have to make money every month, I might come up with some sort of subscription thing. And you kind of plan all this stuff out. And then what you do is you cut away the things that you don't know how to automate or scale or do without a lot of manual processes. So that's an awesome, really, that's a really awesome tip, John. I mean, because you're right. A lot of people, especially social media, right? They think that when they're getting on, they're talking to like, hello, my people. But it's not, (laughs) right? It's just you and one person. So um, I love that. What other were some big challenges? I mean, you said that like things changed when you figured that out and like you really got that. Were there any other milestones or challenges that you felt you had to overcome? Um, Yeah, the idea of perfection, I guess, really stopped me from launching things. And Mm. it was really hard, right? And so now I appreciate the fact that when I put something out, if I launch a new product tomorrow... It's literally the worst that it will ever be, right? right? It will, and that's totally fine, right? I mean, I've learned this now from software because I've been in the software game for a few years. And something we talk about in software is that, like, if you look back a year later on the version one of your product that you launched and you're not embarrassed by it, then you waited too long. Mm. And so I've kind of taken that to other things, to my book, to so many things. Like, my book literally took me nine weeks from the idea, like, of even writing it to hashing out the whole thing that I wanted to do, writing it, getting it edited, rewriting it, and then launching it. <laughs> and it's That's awesome. And it's awesome. And I'm super happy with it. I'm super proud of it. But even like how it stands, what the ideas are in it, if I would have tried to be like, this is going to be my great book that I'm going to write and like is going to change the work. world. Like, no, it's going to be really cool. But in a year, I'm going to look back on it and be like, oh, wow, like probably what I think about it, it what I think about business inside of it is probably going to change and it should, it should evolve, but it allows me to create things and then launch them hmm. and be cool with how they are yeah. and taking it as just a moment in time for right now and then moving forward rather than this is going to be the great one and I'm going to just, uh, maybe it'll take six months to write it, maybe it'll take a year and then hmm. the longer, every day that it takes longer to launch anything just exponentially increases the chance that it will never get launched hmm. and I refuse to have those kind of things sitting in my office desk now where there's that book that never got finished there's that new product that I really want to do but I've never done because it just never got perfect, I don't want to do that I want to put things out and then if the market likes them then we can evolve them into something even better and that's something that I did not have at all you can't i don't know a way to do that really offline as well so online it i mean we just have the technology we have around us allows us to do these things really like literally with an idea and like get something out within a couple days you can put up an offer and people are interested well yeah you've mentioned a couple of really great things first of all they kind of do i mean it's called minimum viable product right when you want to go to market but i love that like benjamin franklin had a great quote well done is better than well said and it just <laughs> highlights the fact that done is better than just talking about it, right? Your, your shitty, terrible, patched together sort of complete product is better than the product that doesn't exist. Because if you put it out there and people buy it, you know, then you can fix it for them and you can fix it 
to do what they need it to do. Like no product is going to be perfect at the gates. I mean, even Apple, like Apple, when they first released the iPod, they did, they spent a ton of time getting it on. They launched it and guess what, right? They had to make a bunch of fixes. You see that all the time. Car companies, they release a car and it kills a few people. Right? I mean, like it does. It kills a few people. They're like, oh, we got to do a recall. All the brakes on these cars fail after like, you know, 100 kilometers or 100 miles. You know, and it's just the reality is, is just you just got to get it done and get people using it because you just don't know. Like 20 people are going to come to your product and each one is going to poke at it a different way. And it's really hard to do that testing behind, behind closed doors. So I love that you mentioned that because it just talks about just getting stuff done, getting it out there into people's hands. And the other part that I liked is your confidence that you're just, you know, almost like at the gym. Like every time I do a push up, I'm getting better at doing push ups. you know, and right now <laughs> I might struggle through the first five and 10. And if I had a video of that and I watch myself in a year of practice, I'm gonna be like, gosh, that was ugly. But as long as I keep doing it, I'm going to get better. And so you're just like, look, I'm going to do the best I can at this moment in time. I'm going to release it. And I might look back on it and be like, whoa, but then you can do an updated version, you know, and a version two and a version three. And so I love that because it just puts the emphasis on getting work done, getting the repetitions in, and just being in the marketplace to listen to what people say. So I love that. You also brought up how easy it is to get business online. And I think that's something that's really worth talking about because – I mean, I see, oh gosh, it's so scary. I mean, you get a restaurant, you sign a five-year lease. Actually, I had a guy, he did this with a martial arts gym. So I used to own a martial arts gym. Guy opened up an MMA studio. He must have spent $40,000 on equipment, sign a five-year lease for some sort of massive right place. You know what I mean? Like all this investment, couple of months and planning his logo and all the colors. And then he launches it and it flops. You know, Whoa. and that's all those months, all that time, everything, right? All that investment gone. Whereas if it was online, if he had done an online class instead, his investment would have been so much smaller. Even if he was just trying to get local people, you know, hey, it's me and my, here I am in my garage, you know, showing some moves. And when you get enough people, hey, why don't we invite you guys to my garage and then build up slowly. I love that. Gary Halbert is famous for having asked a bunch of his students, you know, if you could have anything you wanted to start a business, open up a burger joint. Do you know Gary Halbert? Have you studied any of his stuff? I have studied some of his stuff. <laughs> yeah, he's he's yeah. great. He's yeah, definitely a legend. Not everyone knows him. Anyone listening, it's definitely someone worth checking out. But he's you know, if you could have anything you wanted to be successful in opening up a burger joint, what would you want? And people are like, I'd want the best recipe. I'd want a great location. I'd want you know, great service. And he's like, we well, you know what I want is I would want a starving crowd because even if I had to start <laughs> with a barbecue. I could sell enough burgers to upgrade my barbecue into a more professional stand and then get, you know, and then get a little space and then get a bigger space if I had the starving crowd. So you just, I'm bringing this out because you just dropped some real bombs on our, on our listeners and they may have missed it if they weren't paying attention, but just the ease and simplicity you can get up and running to test your ideas and just getting out there and doing it. Like, I love all that. I love all that. And just focusing on one person, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> High five. Uh. So what else? What else were some other – were there any other obstacles that you had to go through? Oh, there have been a ton of obstacles. Launching things that nobody buys because there isn't a starving crowd and figuring that out. Dealing with co-founders of products, co-founders that have been awesome and co-founders that have been absolute nightmares. But I'm notorious for partnering with people. That's just kind of how I've always worked. I find that – I work better, and this was, again, something I needed to change. I didn't do this offline, but online, every time I've had a good success, it's been with 
a partnership. And I've had partnerships that haven't worked that should have, but they didn't for some reason. But I used to think that I would rather have like, I want all of something, right? I don't want to give up half of something with a partner. But to me, it's like, I'd way rather have half of something big than all of something that doesn't exist. And I find that I can, I can scale my skills. I can scale my strengths in like a way, way bigger capacity Mm. when I partner with people. Mm. So right now I have partner in Velocity Page, actually, which we're completely like changing the product right now. We took down the sales of it and we're changing um, and got rid of one of the partners actually last week. I'm partnered with Copyblogger Media on the Showrunner and the Showrunner course. And I'm partnering with somebody else on a course that we're putting out through Hack the Entrepreneur right now. So I literally have three big projects going on as well as like actually running hack the entrepreneur at the same time but and all those projects would be like a full-time thing for me but now i get half of three different huge projects mm. which i get to just kind of put it come in and go and it takes a lot of like working the schedule to make things work but i can literally come in and just do what i'm good at mm-hmm. which is like awesome. making the building the community building the audience and then selling to them I'm really good at that. I'm really terrible at customer support. I'm really terrible at like doing the technical side. I'm really terrible with analytics and testing. I just don't have the capacity for it. And I used to think that I have to maybe figure out how to do that stuff, but it's just like, no, I just don't give a shit. And I don't want to. It's not how my brain works. My brain likes to work in big kind of scaly ways where I can come up with this idea and then I can give it to somebody who can run with it in a big way and we can do really well. But it's not me and the like trying to figure out like, well, if we could just increase this by 0.2%, you need partners like that because they're awesome at that. But like you just, you start talking to me about that and I'll just, I'll gloss over and I'll uh, start drooling. It's like, dude, I have no idea what we're talking about. And I'm glad you know how to do that stuff, but I'm just going to go back over to this project and like try and figure out how it's scary right (laughs) right right john you obviously have learned so much and either just have a wealth of experience or have learned a ton talking to those entrepreneurs because those are some huge themes again building a team focusing on what you're good at those are huge 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 bombs anyone who's listening to this i love that because that's a huge reason for why people fail is they try to do it on their own and no one uh, no one's met a rich hermit. It just they just don't exist. Like it's just really hard to find someone who's like built something like an Elon Musk or Steve Jobs. It's like yeah, I just me in my garage, you know, I just in my office and I produce the elixir of youth, and uh, now I'm a bazillionaire. So now, what would you recommend to someone who might be listening to this and is just starting out? Would you have any simple tips for them if they're like, all right, but how do, where do I get going? Like, all right, I'm interested in doing something online. Maybe I even already have something going online. But what would you recommend as the steps for getting up and running? Like if you were to redo it again, I guess, what would you do differently? How would you get started? What would be your first, second, kind of third phase? I would, I would start either a blog, a podcast, or a YouTube channel first and share information, share education, share entertainment, and hopefully inspire people in some way around what it is inspires me, which I've done now with Hack the Entrepreneur for the last year and a half. Um, But it's, it's hard as much as, I mean, like you said with Gary, was having that hungry, starving audience or like group of people, it's so much easier to sell them a hamburger, right? So when... When I have hacked the entrepreneur, 
if I didn't have Hack the Entrepreneur and I had written a book, the exact same book, even if it was called Hack the Entrepreneur, but I had no audience behind it, it wouldn't have went to number one on Amazon the second day that it was out. Um, I wouldn't have sold like 6,000 copies of it already. But because I have an audience of starving people that want to hear from me and know more from me and that literally email me every single day with their problems that they're struggling with in their business, I have folders that literally can map out the next like 10 products that I could possibly build and not only just build, but literally sell to a starving audience that are directly connected to me via email and via my podcast. That's an amazing place to be. That's, that's not guessing. That's not like me. I wonder if this will work. It's like, I just, I wonder how many of these I can actually build. Like how many people can I partner with before my wife is like, dude, you got to stop working so much. And it's, I love it. It's fun and it's great. And I get to have all these projects and they all sell well, but there's, (laughs) there's also a limit to what I can do, Right. but it's a completely different perspective than before I used to try and create a product and then find an audience. I prefer to now find an audience and then build a product that they want and that they're asking for repeatedly. It's so much easier. And I didn't do that soon enough. But since Hack the Entrepreneur, then getting picked up by Copyblogger and now working with Copyblogger and their team, I've learned like literally like Copyblogger is like – but like a nine or 10 figure company at this point per year. And they literally started as a blog that published five times a week Uh and they had no products for like two years. They sold nothing. They had no revenue at all. They just built up an audience. And then he started like Brian Clark, the founder, he started just partnering with like people that had products that were in line with his audience. And they just slowly grew into a full media company and all these other people who had created products partnered with him. And it's an amazing way to do it. It's, it makes so much sense. When you have these people around you and you have this audience, they will tell you what their problems are. They will tell you what their struggles are. They will literally tell you what they want to buy from you and what they want you to teach them. And you can just put up buttons and they will just give you money. <laughs> and it blows my mind. And I didn't do this before. I did it backwards. I thought build a product, find an audience. It's like, no, find an audience and build a product transformative to me and unfortunately though it takes longer it i was in a good place where i had businesses that were just sort of running when i started hack the entrepreneur i didn't have to do anything for it and i had good income so yes i was in a good place but i also worked my ass off for years before that to get to that place so i wasn't in some like this wasn't just something i was given this is something i worked really hard for with the idea that then i could do what i wanted to do but if you can, and if you, well, I mean, you can because you can build an audience on the side when you have a job. You can. You just have to find out are you a better writer? Are you more confident in your speaking on audio? Or are you more confident behind video? You're probably going to not be confident in any of them right now, but one will you'll kind of lean towards, and you need to go to that. I can't tell you which one of those to use. I found audio is really good for me, even though I sucked at it. Like a couple years ago, I couldn't even speak into a microphone. I just dreaded it. Now I do it constantly all day, every week um, on different people's shows and on my own shows. And I've gotten better at it, but it's grown an audience for me. But you have to find your thing and you have to start just talking or writing and reach out there and find your people. That whole 1,000 fans, if you can find just 1,000 people that are super into what you are talking about, you've got it made. You've literally got it made. 
Yeah. I, oh, John, you are – whoever's listening to this, you please, you, if you're not taking notes, listen to this a couple of times because there are so many less – I mean this is the blueprint. This is stuff people pay thousands of dollars to get from some of the big-name gurus, and it's being spelt out here so well. So first of all, let's just quick recap. You said you would build an audience. You would just start giving away free stuff. Here's a great example for that. I say it all the time. It's almost like if I were to go into my backyard and put bird seed out, you know, I get a few birds. And if I did that consistently on a regular basis, put out some sort of feed that attracted a certain type of animal, more and more and more would begin to gather over time as long as I was consistent with what I was doing. And then as this built up, if birds made money, I could be like, hey, are you guys thirsty? I got some bottles of water here. It's a dollar each. And that's kind of an, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a simple metaphor, but it's essentially what you're saying. You're like, you know, get, produce content, you know, even like, like for our podcast, for our examples, I mean, John, at the beginning, I mean, let's just even talk about your book. It's not, it's, it's what you learned after interviewing 207 entrepreneurs, right? So it's not even like you were the guru. You just talked to a ton of successful people and we're like, Hey guys, this is what I figured out. I'm talking to hundreds of successful people. So it's the same thing. If anyone's listening to this and you want to get started with an online business, even an offline business, it's the same thing. I mean, if you have a radio show, a TV show, if even in your area, I mean, if for an offline business, I go to a CrossFit gym and I keep trying to tell them like, you guys need to get on media and be the evangelist for like healthy living. Like you just have to be known as the healthy living people in the city because then people will come to you with their questions. If they wake up one day and they're weighing 15 pounds more than they want to, they'll come to you if they know that you're the person who's providing education on that topic. And so build the audience, listen to them, then build a product or what I really love that you mentioned, John, about copy blogger is selling someone else's. In a lot of ways, that can be such a smart thing to do because you don't have to worry about customer service. You don't have to worry about collecting all the money and all the billing and the taxes and all that nonsense and refunds and returns. You know, you don't have to sit there cackling in a, in a closet for however long building the product. You just build the audience, find someone who's got a reputable product, buy the product yourself, test it, and go, hey, guys, I hear a lot of you. I hear what a lot of you are saying. A lot of you are struggling with X. I actually vetted this for you. I think it's a great product. Please you know, follow this link or, hey, buy it from this person. Let them know I sent you. And you can make money off that, and that's a great way to get started in the game. I mean, that's just huge. So build an audience, listen to them, build a product or sell someone else's, and then just listen and serve your people. I love that too, where you like, he's like, I got literally folders of emails that have mapped out like the next 10 products. And the other mm -hmm. part that I loved is because this is, this is something cool. I don't know if you've heard this, but you were talking about how if you can just get a thousand fans, I've heard that so many times. You can just get a thousand people to be into what you're talking about. That is enough to build and get started and make an, and make a good living off what you do. A thousand people, and that's not a lot. It might sound like a lot. You collect them five, ten, fifteen at a time. They will come. And it's almost another another way to think about this too. Is uh, John, have you heard of the ten thousand hour rule? Yes. Right. So like to become world-class expert at anything, you need 10,000 hours. But there's a TED Talk I watched a couple months back, and I loved it because the guy was like, great, everyone knows that you need 10,000 hours to be world-class, but how many, how many hours does it take just to learn the fundamentals of something? Have you heard this? No. It's 20 hours. 20 hours, you can learn the fundamentals of anything. If you want to learn how to play the banjo, if you want to learn how to ski, if you want to learn how to do whatever, because there's a diminishing <laughs> ROI on time invested, with just 20 hours, you can master the fundamentals to be like a beginner intermediate level. 
you know, and it's just 20 hours. It's just 20 hours. So if someone's listening to this, they're like, but I've never done a blog, but I don't know how to write. I don't know how to interview. Just just commit to doing 20 hours of it. You know, you will be so interesting. What? Sorry to interrupt you, no, but go, go. there's I, I, I struggled with this myself. So as I said, I started a podcast before Hack the Entrepreneur with somebody in my little town that I'm from because he technically was really good and knew how to start a podcast, didn't have anything to say. So I knew I needed to get through it. We did 15 episodes. They were terrible. The content was probably good, but I was like nervous and sweating and just rambling on. And I did it. And then I met some really smart people in a mastermind and they told me, like pushed me to start my own show. But I was like, I've never interviewed anybody in my life. Literally have never done it. I get questions now in my email inbox every single day. John, how do I get good at interviewing like you do? It's like, well, dude, I've interviewed 220 something <laughs> people in the past 18 months. Yeah. That's exactly how you do it. There's no other way to do it than to just do it. But there was a time literally in that July of 2014 where I had never interviewed anybody in my life ever. And I was starting an interview podcast. So what I did, and actually I'm looking, I opened it up because I was like, I'm pretty sure it's still there. So I have a pages document on my computer that is like an outline of questions that I ask all my guests. And at the very top, still in red, from day one, the first interview I ever did, and it's a quote from, what's his name? The Awaken the Giant Within. What's T his name? Tony Robbins. Totally, totally. Tony Robbins, this is how he got his start. And so I was looking at ways just to kind of get going and how to get over this. And I saw this video of him and he said, this is literally how I started when I was 20 years old. And it says right at the top, it says, to master anything, talk to the experts. And that, to me, completely transformed, like calmed me down. And it was like, OK, I'm going into this and I don't need to be the expert. I'm going to ask questions that bring the expertise out of the expert I'm interviewing. I get to just stand back, but I get to become and I get to master something because now I've talked to 200 brilliant people doing this stuff. And to me, that was transformative. It was like. That's awesome. So I'm creating content, but I'm really just the medium for the content. The content doesn't even come from me. And so you can do that. Interview people on video, interview them on text, interview them in a podcast if you want to. Let them talk and they are the experts. But somehow, like subconsciously, people then create you as the expert as well because you are having these conversations and bringing it out of these people and being the conduit to them. And that to me was it. It was like, okay, I can figure this out because all I'm doing is I'm literally trying to master entrepreneurship by talking to people who are experts at it. And in the process, I become an expert myself. <laughs> and that to me huge. was it. Yeah. That's so huge. And I mean, what you've done is actually, we mentioned Gary Halbert and he's got a series of letters and you just reminded me, and I really want to give some value to listeners here because we've like, honestly, this is, First of all, it's been so straight to the punch, so candid. I mean, honestly, this is one of our best interviews. Again, those listening, if you're not taking notes, you, you're a fool. Like, you need to take notes, whatever you do to record the stuff. Even if you never look at them again, get this information in your mind. Listen to this interview a couple more times because this is great stuff. And I want to just describe what you – I want to describe something Gary Halbert wrote. It's one of the most powerful letters of his that I ever read. It's not very long. But I want to read it and just for the listeners and even you, John, to think about – what you've just done and what you talk about 
And then just what Gary's taught written here. So Gary kind of outlines, he calls it it's information marketing, and this is before the internet. So internet marketing is really just an updated modern version of direct mail marketing. So Gary was kind of teaching, he wrote these letters. He has a product called the Boron Letters, and it's a bunch of letters he wrote to his son. He went to jail for fraud. Long story, just basically someone stole a bunch of bags of mail that had money in it to buy his stuff. And since there's, they don't know who had bought it, who the letters were from, he didn't know how to contact those people and there was enough of them that they complained. He ends up going to jail, writes these letters to send his teach his son the business. And he tells his son, son, now I want to wanna teach you how to run the business. So he's like, first, let's say we've identified a group of people. Let's say we want to sell something to pregnant women. You know, let's say we found a way to get access to an audience or a list of women who are currently pregnant. And he's like, I could probably come up with a few ideas of products. And one might be something like how to raise your child's IQ before it's even born. And he talks about how you could call all the Ivy League universities to speak to the experts in prenatal child development and interview them and find out the most cutting-edge research and developments for prenatal, right, while the child's in your belly, development on how you can have the happiest, healthiest baby. He goes, and then you'll create a promotion for it, and you'll get someone to help invest in his business, and three things will happen. Either his promotion will be a decided loser, he said it will be a decided, or it'll be a decided winner, or it'll be marginal. And he said, and if it's marginal, then it's up to them and whoever's helping finance to decide whether they want to try the promotion again or not. And then he outlines how to do the promotion. So he's basically, there's, what is there? There's seven steps to this. So first step is find a hot market. Step two, find or create a product to sell to that market. Step three, create a direct mail promotion that describes the product or service and the benefits of owning it. Step four, Make a test mailing. He prescribes 1,000 to 5,000 pieces of mail. Uh, analyze results. This is step five. Six, if results are good, mail 20,000 to 100,000 more letters. Step seven, if results are still good, start rolling out and taking care of business. And that is the formula he used to teach at a very high price to people on how to build multi-million dollar businesses selling through direct mail. You're doing the same thing, John, just online. And everything that you talked about, that's what made me think of that. I'm like, John's doing Gary's thing. And so perfectly to a T. So that's huge. I mean, that's never even read those. Well, but here's the thing is it's like martial arts. I taught this martial art, but there's only so many ways to twist up a humanoid object. Do you know what I mean? Like, so over hundreds of years. So, but I just love it because again, for the people who are listening, like this is real gold. I love this. I love this so much. Now, there's a ton of great information out there, John, but there's also a lot of people who just don't get things done. Do you feel that you've had any particular habits or routines that have helped you be successful? Yeah. I break things down, whether that is a new product I want to create, whether it's a new article I have to write for Entrepreneur next week, which is weighing on my mind because I do. (laughs) But whether it's like a huge project, a new website, or just an article, I literally break it down into the smallest amount of pieces or, or the largest number of small pieces that I can on my desk in front of me is if you could hear that probably not hitting the desk, but I literally buy yellow post-it notes by the thousand and I'll just sit here. And so if it's an article, I'll think of what I want to write. And then it's like, I'll think of like the main headings and then I'll just keep writing ideas down and then I'll organize them on my desk. I did this exact same thing with my book. And I'm doing the exact same thing with the new Velocity page right now. I'll break it down exactly. Then I'll put it into a logical sequence. And then I'll go to Trello.com, which is literally – it's 
follows the Kanban principle, which is basically post-it notes online, completely free service, and I move it to there. And then I literally just, I know exactly. So the way and the reason why I always procrastinated on things was because, okay, I need to write this article, or I need to write this book, or I need to create this product. That's a massive, huge, overwhelming undertaking. And you go to sit down, and then you just get distracted on Facebook and Twitter because you don't know where to start. Now it's literally, I go to Trello, I open up, okay, it's time to work on the new showrunner course. I open up my Trello board to the showrunner course and I literally just grab a ticket. I mark it yellow, which means I'm working on it. And I know that it's only going to take me somewhere from 15 minutes to an hour to complete because I've broken it down that small. And I'll literally just like, okay, here it is. And I'll get it done. And so I can knock off like eight or 10 or 20 of these things in a day, depending on the different projects. And it's serious. Like, I just, there's no thought. I literally have put the thought into it. So now I just go. And it's not like I can't let that explode into now. Cause otherwise, when you're creating something, it's you get to a certain point, and you're like, well, maybe I should also go in this direction, in right. this direction. Right. And that's all the stuff that allows you to never launch because then it's like, but it would be perfect if I did this. It's like, no, it is perfect. <laughs> that's why it's on my Trello board. And I'm going to literally just go through step by step by step by step. So don't worry about, okay. What is it like in October when I was in the middle of writing my first book ever, which I'm not even a writer, I wasn't like, okay, how am I going to launch? How how am I going to do the artwork to launch the thing? It's like, I didn't even think about that. I literally only think about the next thing. I sit down today and my editor was like, hey, you need to write this part, this part, and this part. And she would mark the Trello cards. And I was like, okay. And I'd sit down and just literally that part, that part, it is in no logical sequence. And it was just like, I can do that. She needs 400 words on this. She needs 300 words on this. She needs 500 words on that. Easy. That's not writing a book. That's literally just writing less than a thousand words. That's awesome. I could do that. Uh, right. But and then it was and then it was literally, OK, now it's time to launch. We launch in four days. OK, what's the next step? Now we need a sales page. Perfect. I can do that. But it wasn't like I was writing the book and trying to work on the sales page and trying to work on like getting a group of people who could help me promote it. It was like, nope. All I do every single day, man, is I just literally what's the next thing I have to do? What is the next thing I have to do at 11 o'clock today? The next thing I had to do was talk to Daryl for this interview. And that's awesome. And the next thing after that is I have to literally go to work for two hours on my 1000 Maniacs course and wrap it up. And then the next hour is I have a webinar. Um, and it's just how it is. I only worry about the next thing. Otherwise, it's overwhelming and we don't accomplish things. So keep things simple. Break them down to small parts and only worry about the next thing. Mm-hmm. which is the exact opposite of when I couldn't get started and my wheels were spinning because I was just taking in so much information. You get overwhelmed with it. And so this whole like just in time learning, like it doesn't matter to me how to launch a book on Amazon until it comes time that, okay, next week we're launching a book on Amazon. Now I'm going to consume a whole bunch of stuff to figure out how to do it and do it. But why would I bother doing that in August when it's just a dream, this book? Cause it'll just, it'll overwhelm me. And I would have just yep. like, thought about it for like months and months. I still wouldn't have a friggin' book, but I would be like, Oh, I think I've learned enough. And it's like, no, (laughs) just in time learning, just in time actions. And you will seriously launch just in time. (laughs) You are my brother from another mother. I love that. I've said this forever. I feel like people like learn. I feel like we, in some ways 
approach learning the wrong way because right now, like if you have to study for an exam or take a test, you have to they say you have to read it at least seven times to get it stuck in your long-term memory. But if you're trying to get to your friend's house for dinner and you're lost and you stop and ask someone for directions, you don't need cue cards. You don't need to re- rehearse it seven times or 15 times. It's like a puzzle piece. You just click, oh, I go up straight and I take the third right and then it's the second left. Boom, done. And then you just go and you do it. And so I've never heard anyone else bring that up, John. And I just love you that much more because you said it because I've said that forever. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I really believe in that, that, yeah. you know, it's, it's also even they say, don't even worry about the how, just know your what. You know, if you're what, Jim Rohn, he's, I love Jim Rohn. He's passed away regrettably, but he's, he's the godfather of personal development. And he he had this thing where he's like, if your what is big enough, the how will reveal itself, which is just if your motivation and your goal is big enough and driving enough, you will meet the people you need to meet and you will figure out what you need to figure out along the way. But you just have to have the act, right? Like the one thing that you can't fake or you can't manufacture is the passion, the drive and the, the motivation, the incentive, the desire to do blank. God bless the people that, you know, pave the roads for us because I have no desire or driver, you know, to, to make sure that those are paved or I'm in Canada. So you're, I know you are too, but make sure that they're clear as snow. So thank goodness we have all sorts of other people and we need that. There's every color of the rainbow in our society. We need everybody at every level. And, you know, you just don't know who's out there until you look for them. So, yeah. And like momentum, when you get momentum and just start taking the next action, the next action, the next action, like I could have never mapped out for you in 2014 the summer the two months i spent literally head down recording my first ever interviews that it would have went on to millions of downloads like writing for these blogs having a best-selling book partnering with copy blogger media like people that i like aspire to even get to talk to one day reading entrepreneur.com and now it's like wow i literally contribute to them once a week all things that i didn't even ask for that just people reached out to me because of it that stuff I could never have mapped that out no matter how much I sat that summer trying to map out this grand goals and plans. It never would have worked. But once I got into motion, once I gained some momentum, that momentum literally just bred more momentum. And people love to reach out to, people love to partner with, people love to work with people who are in motion. It doesn't matter if that motion is a 100% accurate, it never is and nobody cares, yep. but nobody wants to grab you. Like if somebody is that you're trying to reach out to or be like or enter their market or something, picture them spinning on like one of those merry-go-round things in like the playground. They're going super fast to your kid <laughs> and there's that one kid standing there trying to get on and he jumps and he gets hit by the bar and goes flying. That's you when you're not running. But if you're outside of that merry-go-round and you start running with it, it's so easy to jump on and people will then reach out their hand and pull you on. Right. That's just how it, oh, but when you're analogy. standing, when you're standing still, Nobody wants to help you. It's just the way it is. I do not want to help somebody from a standstill because it's too much work. And if you're not willing to put in the effort for yourself, Mm. how can you possibly help expect me to do it? But if I see you in motion, even I don't care what the motion is, but you're working your ass off, just Mm -hmm. going for it. Uh I'm going to reach out to you and I'm going to pull with all my might to pull you to where I am. It's just the way it is. And you don't know who those people are. You don't know where those people will come from. I had no idea what would have happened to me, but I knew that if I got into motion, things would happen. And the further motion I get, the further people ahead of me just like reach back and pull me. That's just the way it works. Momentum. People love other people in mom- yeah. with in momentum, momentum behind yeah. them. Yep, yeah. yep. Yeah. And and that's that's. I mean, this has just been such a great interview. Yeah. Drop the mic. 
like walk away <laughs> because I mean this is this is it. It's start to finish, and I love even what you talk because there's no get rich quick fluff. There's none of that. It's hey, you're gonna it's gonna take some time. You have to build an audience. Now there are shortcuts. I mean, you can yeah. try and find someone with an audience, and then find someone who's got a product already, and just be the middleman and try to make a cut. But you won't have like a long term business like that. You know, John's got a following. He's got people who know, like, and trust him that have been with him for you know months, a couple, uh, well, at least a year. I mean, you've only been doing it a year and a half, you mm-hmm. know, so you got people that are following you along the way. I mean, you can't replace you. And that's both a blessing and a curse. Copy blogger is copy blogger. And that's a business which could be bought and sold. But mm-hmm. you and your role and your identity, that's and, you know, we're kind of getting into some phrase of stuff. But there's a personal brand and personal brands are really easy to build. They do provide some protection against competitors because there's only one you. So that's very unique in that sense. And it's just a really good and just a good thing to build up. I mean, honestly, if you think about some people, like again, John talking about his following, any point in time, even if you didn't have your products, you could still get consulting work. You could go look for a job. I mean, if you establish yourself as someone who is the curator of knowledge in an industry or in a niche on a particular topic, you know, if as long as that industry is not dying, you will have a home. Like you will have a value to that community. And then it's up to you to decide how do you want to deliver it? Do you want to deliver it online? Do you want to deliver it to groups of people at events? Do you want to deliver it online over a course? Do you want to deliver it in books? How do you want to deliver it? But if you're the curator of knowledge, that's a really powerful position to be in because that's, well, again, if, especially if it's on a topic that's growing. So that is, John, John, that's so <laughs> awesome. So, what do you see as any future trends for your industry? Do you have any foresight in the future for us? For podcasting, I think we're just getting started. And so I think that this is the time people are going to look at, look back on in four and five years and wish that they would have started, wish that they would have. This is blogging as blogging was in like 2001, 2002, where those people that started those blogs back then are literally like multimillionaires right now. And they have like businesses they're selling for hundreds of millions of dollars because they started when it was big or when it wasn't big, but it became. And podcasting is, I mean, radio in general is going to podcasting. And so to me, it's shocking the reach you can get, literally like hundreds of countries, millions of people. And it's only, only, only going to get bigger and more powerful. I mean, YouTube is obviously the same thing. There's YouTube stars now that I mean, that just have millions of people that follow them that literally are just in their bedrooms doing weird shit. Yeah. I mean, anything you want to do, anything that you think is the weirdest, coolest little thing that you've ever thought was awesome and you think nobody else is into it, there's at least a thousand people. There's probably tens of thousands of people. I mean, spend any time on Reddit. I spend way too much time on Reddit, but it's an amazing view into the psyche of the world. Like literally hundreds of millions of people on there talking about any tiny little wacky, crazy thing ever. And they're so into it. They're so into it. And those are your people if that's what you are into. And those people, the internet allows us to find those people, to gather with those people, to create cool shit for those people and sell it to them. And to just become one of the producers of stuff, right? Just next time you sit down to watch Netflix in the evening, that's cool. I watch Netflix. I dig it. But but be aware that you are a consumer. You are yes. a consumer. And there's Ooh. producers on the other end of that. And those producers are living on the beach. Those producers are traveling the world. Those producers yes. are living in big houses yes. because they are a producer. 
Consumers don't get that. Consumers just get to work their jobs that they aren't super into and consume and consume and consume. I'm not saying I'm not anti-consumer. I love to consume stuff. We're all consumers. But you have to be aware. You have to be aware. And you can say, well, it's only $8. That's fine. YouTube's only free, right? When something is free and you are consuming it, trust me, you are then the product. That's what it is. You are the product being sold to these producers for ad spots. Trust me. That's the worst time is when something's free and you think that you aren't a consumer, you are. And it's the product then is actually you. And that's really scary to me. And that makes me hyper aware. And also every time you go on a website, go to Twitter, go to Facebook, go to Snapchat, go to anywhere you want and just think that one or two or three people sat down at some point and decided to create this website. They literally just typed ones and zeros in until this website exists. This isn't magical. This isn't something that's just created by giant corporations anymore. These are people in garages, in dorm rooms. Mine was created literally in the basement of a tiny little city in the middle of a tiny country. Um, And I've reached millions of people. Nobody allowed me to do it. Lots of people said I shouldn't do it. Lots of people said it was dumb. I said, who cares? I don't care. I'm going to do it myself. And to master anything, I'm going to talk to experts. And when I talk to experts, I'll become an expert. And then from there, I don't know what will happen or who I'll reach or who I'll meet. But it's been astonishing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. Yeah, first of all, I noticed that too. When I produce, I make money. When I consume, it costs me money. And I just always (laughs) noticed that. So I was – I just right immediately was like I need to spend more of my day producing than consuming. If I just make, you know, and even then I was like, I remember saying I didn't need to be rich. I just want to make money doing everything I love. That's what got me teaching martial arts for profit because I was like, I'm good enough. I'm one of the top belts in my city. There's where else are people going to go if they want to train and do this? I'll train. I wasn't a black belt, but I was the top, you know, and there was the land of the blind. The one eyed man is king. So I got started and I was very forward. I'm like, you know, hey, I'm a blue belt. I've been training for two and a half years. I was training in Japan and people like you were training in Japan with Hicks and Gracie. I didn't know that was a big thing. Apparently Hicks and Gracie's a living legend. The fact that I got train with them was a big deal people came from other towns to train with me see like try to rub the lucky troll you know um so produce more than you consume that's a great 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 topic i had something else i wanted to say and i just totally had a brain fart because you were on such a good i mean that was just such a good rant it was just really good the fact that you just don't know what you can accomplish until you get started the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step and it's just it really is about the journey i think in the beginning there's a lot of fear about how am i going to cover my bills and you know my kids but i mean if you can just somehow either get someone to invest, be a partner in your business to help cover the bills and that while you're getting going if you can just get through that initial period it's just so liberating and then it becomes fun and once you've got your bills taken care of and if you learn like read the book like richest man in babylon that's a great book to get i mean if you just follow those principles and you just get enough to cover your monthly expenses you're set you know you've got a at least a thousand followers you've got a topic that you're really passionate about that you could be a guru on for life i mean that's it you're good like just follow as long as that industry is going and you stay ahead of whatever's happening you're just in a great place yeah and even like further than that is and this is something that we had to completely do as a family which was we completely Mm. reduced our cost of living for a year because Mm. i was coming online and i wanted to and so it was a short-term sacrifice i mean it's been proven that as as you go to like richer segments of the population, the biggest difference between the poor and the very rich and all the way on the way up is the length of time that they think in. 
So mm. when you are living hand to mouth, you're literally thinking now to now. That's it. Right. When you are a billionaire, you're literally thinking in 10 to 25 year segments. Yeah. Everything you do today, you're thinking about what you're going to get in 10 or 15 or 20 years from now. Mm. That's massive, right? That's massive. And if you are not willing to cut back expenses for a year to completely transform yours and your family's life for the rest of time, yeah. then you don't want this bad enough. Yeah. That's just how it is. And I cannot change that for you. But sorry, you can't also have a new car and try and start a new business. You can't have a fancy <laughs> apartment and a fancy TV and try and do it. But trust me, if you make the sacrifice and you put in the work and you build the audience and build the products for them, you will be able to buy the nicest car you want. You'll be able to live in the nicest house you want. And you'll be able to travel the world all you want. But it takes sacrifice. Yeah. It absolutely takes sacrifice. But when people get into these ruts of having, especially as your job gets better, you get promotions, you get more expenses because you buy nicer furniture, you buy nicer cars. And then, well, I could never get out because I paid $12,000. It's like, that's not my fault. That's your fault. Mm. You have to get yourself out of that. And that's just, again, that's just stop consuming other people's stuff and making them rich mm. and complaining that you weren't given the life to do this because you are. Right. But you have to make these sacrifices short term, change your thinking to the way a wealthy person thinks and think, what if I can do something for the next six months and really focus, but not expect any sort of payment tomorrow or the next day or the next day but think about what will happen in five years from now man i started five years ago today online like geez i can't even imagine working offline i've been offered some amazing jobs for brilliant companies yep. because of what i do now online yep. and i turn them down because i don't want it and i don't yeah. need it but it took sacrifice it took hard work and it took thinking in those five year in ten year periods that's mm -hmm. just how it works mm -hmm. and it's it's just how it is man you got to get rid of that stuff you got to get rid of the baggage you got to get rid of just the thoughts if you can't do this and if there are physical or monetary reasons then they're your own fault and get rid of them just get rid of them and stop it's that. it will be worth it trust me it will be worth that. it i love that i love that so once again pages of notes this has been a wonderful, wonderful interview. John, you actually even have a course. Well, you mentioned you got three courses going, but if anyone's been listening to this and they're super jazzed, super pumped, they love your message, they love your vibe, they want to get in touch, they want to get involved, they want to check out what you're doing, you know, what are you working on right now and how can they find out about it? So the best course for all of this stuff, because this is what I get asked about all the time, which is building that audience and then building a tiny product for them and selling it to them. So I created something called 1000 Maniacs. And it's literally how to go find those people, how to change them from just email subscribers into your maniacs, your thousand of them, and then how to listen so that you can build them and then how to build them that product. So 1000maniacs.com will take you there. And, and that's 1000 yes. Maniacs? Got it. Yes. Okay. So 1000maniacs.com. And then Hack the Entrepreneur is my main sort of house online. At this point, you can go there and from there you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, all those places. Or you can just drop me an email, John at Hack the Entrepreneur, and just ask me anything you want. If you want to just berate me about something, by all means, let's have a conversation, though. I like having them. So hit me up. I'm here. That's so awesome. John, was there anything I didn't ask you that I should have asked you? Ooh, that's a good question. No, man. We 
we went a lot of places. We this did. is cool. Yeah. This is really cool. Yeah, it went in different directions than I expected, and it was awesome. I yeah. loved it. No, it was good, and we covered a lot of stuff. Again, those of you listening, you're going to hear at the end of every interview, we've got the list we want to make. Make sure you got your pen and paper handy. Make those lists. Get the most you can out of this call, and just get done, and follow John's advice. You know, Don't get overwhelmed by the big picture. Think long-term, but then just focus on what's the next step. What's the next step? What's the next step? Break it into those tiny pieces and just, again, just really listen to this call. Follow him. Get his course. I mean, it's obviously proven and works. And just, John, I just want to say thank you for your time today. I know you could be with family, friends. You could be working on the other stuff. But you really came and shared some knowledge based on interviewing hundreds of entrepreneurs and even just walking the trail yourself. So I really do appreciate that. That's a gift that my listeners will have forever. And just thank you so much. I appreciate your time. And, and yeah, all the best. Absolutely. My pleasure, man. It's been fun. You've reached the end of our interview. Now, first, let me thank you for listening. I appreciate and respect you more than you'll ever know. And now I'd like to ask you a couple of questions. First, what three lessons did you just learn? What three aha moments just jumped out at you? Second, what can you implement for yourself and your business in the next 24 hours? Third, what can you give to someone else to help you with or give them to just do it for you? Whatever it is, remember taking action is the secret sauce to results. Now, if you think this interview would be helpful for a friend, please give them a link to it. It'll help them and it'll help me too. I'd also like to invite you to help me find out more about the challenges you're facing, your dreams, your goals, and how I can help you overcome what's holding you back. We both do better when we know better. And your success is my success. So please reach out and interact. You can visit our website, bestbusinesscoach.ca for Canada or California, where I'm from and where I'm living. You're welcome to also try out one of our paid programs. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, and pretty much every other social media channel you can think of. You should also subscribe to the podcast. And if you're enjoying them, please leave us a nice review. It really helps. That's all for now. Once again, thank you. Take care of yourself. And remember, the world needs the best business you can build. And I believe in you.